0: Yes, nerds, it's that time of month again. We are gonna talk about sci-fi. This time around, we will be discussing the villains of Star Trek with Lars Dicenza of the Trechnicity Podcast. So stay tuned and let us know what's your top five. Stay tuned for more. I'm Richard, and I'm Will. And together we're the, the Irreverent, Irreverent Nerds. Nerds, bum, bum, bum. Nerds nerdettes, nerd. and assorted nerd people. <laughs> Will and Richard here to talk about Star Trek. And Will, I don't think you and I have talked about Star Trek yet. You were supposed to be here the last time that our guest for this episode, Mr. Lars Desenza was here. and I forget why, but you weren't able to make it, uh, but you're here tonight. So you and I are going to okay. talk about Star Trek for the first time.
1: I haven't consistently watched a Star Trek since Voyager had new episodes. So I'm not very knowledgeable. You're, you're not
0: in the know. You're not in the know. Well, uh, we're going to jump right in and go ahead and uh, invite Lars to, to join us with the uh, video and audio. And... Just a little bit of background, Init- originally, this was going to be uh, recording with an- another guest as well, Lars and then Holodeck4, um, whom we are connected with on Instagram, and she's been a supporter of our Instagram page and our podcast uh, from the very early days, and Lars also has been a supporter and is still, you know, our our monthly supporter, <laughs> the one. <laughs> uh <laughs> thank you uh, we'll get there we'll get there we'll, we'll have more but uh lars has been a very gracious supporter of the podcast and uh, we had had him on previously to talk about the episode i borg and uh that was a really good episode by the way will if you haven't listened to it yet you need to go back and listen to it <laughs> i know you weren't there for yeah, it. yeah
2: i i actually sound like i know what i'm talking about
0: yeah i thought we had a really good discussion that episode that that was really, really enjoyable and uh so we and i uh, wanted to have lars on again and uh and Loris, for those who haven't watched that first episode, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do, uh, particularly in in the podcasting realm.
2: Yeah, um, well, I uh, I am one of the founders of the group, uh, the Red Shirt Geeks, um, which was a loose uh, Star Trek reference, which then took almost a literal um, meaning, as well as um, I wanted to do a. Uh, a star trek related podcast because we never had anything specific where i could talk about my favorite topic which of course is star trek um so i started a show called trechnicity um and uh we know i'm just rolling out season six right now and um that's kind of uh kind of my my, my bag that's what i'm doing right now i'm Uh, I spend time, what time, little time I have, uh, talking about Star Trek and of course playing Star Trek online, uh, during our old men gaming shows, uh, and streams on Sunday afternoons.
0: I understand you're, so you're a Trekkie by night and a Techie by day. Yes.
2: I am. Uh, I am an IT professional, uh, now officially 25 years in the business Nice and, um, uh, yeah. I Thank you. Uh, it's one of those things where um, having a technical mind has uh, allowed me to um, be successful in what I do. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm a creator at heart. And um, the idea is that uh, um, I, I stretch my creative legs by talking uh, as much as I can about Star Trek.
0: Do you feel like that you're leaning towards, you know, technical mindset. Do you feel like that's part of what attracted you to Star Trek?
2: Um, Star Trek for me, uh, you know, as as most people will tell you who are fans of Star Trek, um, a lot of it comes from a childhood where either a one or more parent was into it. In my Mm -hmm. case, it was my my father. um, So I kind of got put onto it from him. Uh, And then, you know, growing up, I was not the most popular of people. Um, so Star Trek was always an escape where, um, because of its, um, its background, in inclusivity and acceptance, uh, it was a place where I knew that no matter what I was, who I was, what I looked like, how I sound, where I was from, it didn't matter, um, I was going to find a place, a way to fit in.
0: Will, since we have not you and I have not talked about Star Trek before on the podcast, uh, do you remember how you first got into Star Trek? You mentioned you watched quite a bit of TNG, some of the old series. Did you stumble on it by yourself? Did, did your dad watch it like like that was the same for me, like I got into it because my dad was into it. Um how about you?
1: Oh yeah. Um well, I was born in the mid eighties and so Star Trek The Next Generation, sorry is what uh, is the series I was introduced to. And that was a one of the things that my family watched together. Um, our family time often revolved around the television, and so we would always catch every new episode of Next Generation.
0: Yeah, Nice. As a family, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, my, yeah actually,
2: that is pretty cool.
0: I don't remember my mom ever watching uh, with my dad and I.
2: That's yeah, not her thing. <laughs> uh, I I always have this like I want to tell this fantastic story about like, hey man, how'd you get into Star Trek? Well, you know, one day I was in the wrong part of town. There was a guy there with like a long trench coat. He's like, hey kid, come here, man. You want <laughs> you want to seek out new life, new civilization? <laughs> want a bootleg DVD? Uh, no, that's how we got the Star Wars <laughs> holiday special for a bootleg <laughs>
0: or a bootleg VHS.
2: <laughs> yeah, we shall not talk about that um, that holiday special that doesn't exist.
0: Oh, (laughs) I have to admit, I I finally watched it. You know, was infamous. I've heard about it all through the years. I finally watched it this past year, and it was so bad. I kind of enjoyed it actually. And the (laughs) the Boba Fett cartoon in the middle is actually pretty cool. I think it's the middle.
2: Yeah, yeah. It it definitely got weird. (laughs) There are definitely two things I can say that I've ever I've always taken away from that um, that special that I always stick with stick with me. Be Arthur, Art Carney, like <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like Star Trek. Or sorry, excuse me, Star Wars became a sitcom.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's that's all you that's needed was fair. The
2: canned laughter.
0: And uh, I didn't catch the very end where uh, where Carrie sings, but apparently, uh, I heard that she. The only reason she agreed to do it is because she wanted to launch a singing career. Apparently,
2: <laughs> yeah. And, that sounds about right
0: uh we're getting off topic here we're going to talk about star trek tonight and uh like i said originally it was going to be the women of star trek with holodeck four uh who was a woman and uh she was going to join us uh but that will be for another time so tonight we're going to have a general topic of star trek villains and given that this is very impromptu this could go anywhere but that's our our general topic and uh <clears throat> before we get in too deep i uh, I got a couple of sources here just to give us some ideas uh, about which villains to talk about and obviously the ones that come to mind. But sometimes I forget the names, you know, I I can remember like the stories and the faces, Um, but I'm looking at uh, Nerdist.com and they have gone through and ranked both from the series and the movies. So just a quick rundown, we got Seska from Voyager at number 13, Harry Mudd at number 12, Nero from the Kelvin timeline uh, t- at number eleven. The Dura sisters at number ten. Uh, that's just to give a few example. The Borg Queen is only eight uh, in their ranking. Q number seven. They got Wei at six. Kruge from Star Trek three at five. Kaiwin oh, at four. Yeah.
2: Commander Krug, he yeah. He was. I mean, he was a bad one.
0: Just waiting for him to be like Marty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is played by Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> wait a minute,
2: wait a minute. Doc, you tell Put me you build a time machine to the future. out of a bird of prey. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, and that. of
0: course, the number three they have General Chang from Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Number two is Khan Noonien Singh, and they have their number one. Oh. Uh, and this is Nerdist.com as Gal Dukat from Deep Space Nine.
2: Yeah, he was pretty particularly bad, but I I, I don't know if I agree with him being the worst. I, I will would have. Definitely put Khan, although to be fair, Khan was very two dimensional. So I can, I guess I could take that. I could could run with that.
0: Obviously, they they had a lot more time to flesh out Gull to Cut, and and then then you had the basically continuous storyline with DS9 as well, which you didn't necessarily have with like you had some repeat villains, like with TNG. I I can't, maybe the original series, I'm not sure, but like you could probably tell me better than I could, but um. But yeah, with DS9, you had they really got to flesh him out. So so I could I could see that. I could see that.
1: How did we we feel about JJ Abrams con? Wasn't he played by Cumberbatch?
2: Oh yeah. Benadryl Cumbersnatch. I'm sorry. (laughs) I could never get that guy's name right. Yeah, actually, I take that I take like I all in all seriousness, (laughs) I am a big fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. Um an amazing actor. Uh, however he, uh, his role as Khan was, one, the worst kept secret in Star Trek, and two, the worst reveal in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a wonderful video oh, that man. came out right after Star Trek in the Darkness where they talked about how Star Trek Into Darkness should have ended. And mm-hmm. it was like it was an animated version. And they were oh, like, yeah, you know, how it should have you ended. You have Kirk, mm-hmm. and you have yeah. Spock, and 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 you have McCoy, and you're like, and he's like, uh, I am, you know, I'm Captain Kirk. This is Spock, McCoy. He's like, Yes but my name is dun-dun-dun Khan. Dun, dun, dun. Like, <laughs> okay. And they're like, oh. he's like, yeah, right, I'm Kirk Bach-McCoy. he's like, no, but you don't understand. I said my name is dun 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 Khan. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, we get it, we get it, we get it. Like, And then he keeps going on about it and they basically, he's like, but well, somebody just put him out because <laughs> they had no idea who this guy is. I mean, uh, because in that, in Star Trek in the Darkness, the, 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 um the events of the original series episode space seed had never happened so they have no idea who this guy is and and they played on it so much in into darkness i'm um, like oh my gosh he's the baddie he is con he's the worst villain and you know he's he's kirk's nemesis yada 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 like you guys do realize that he hasn't met him yet right he yeah no no idea you realize that it's not for like another 15 years in canon that this guy comes back to get his revenge. Right. Mm.
0: Yeah. Now I will say as in terms of Kirk's in that film, Kirk's intro to, to con, like you talk about setting up some, some emotional weight. I mean, he comes in, he shoots up Star Trek command, you know, and kills Kirk's mentor. So like, yeah talking like vengeance right off the bat you know so definitely gave some pathos to to it right away but at that point like you said, he didn't even know that it was that it was con uh, not that he would have cared but you know it's like right i that? mean
2: you you it's... could take the you could take the actions that are the events that happened in the movie as you know and in, influence how he felt about this guy but the the filmmakers were leaning so heavily on this being the wor- the worst ma- like the ultimate matchup between these two guys who are blood enemies and it's like they haven't even met yet. So you can't bank on that. You can you can take what you got in the movie and you can run with it and you can chew it up and you can and you can regurgitate it out how you want to to set all this up, which is fine. That that if you just stayed with that, that would be great. But you lean so heavily on the the weight of these two characters' relationship from a previous setup mm-hmm.
0: so who would we like let's say strictly like not necessarily taking the movie movies as a whole but more of like the individual performance of the actors um who would you say did a better job like ricardo montalban or benedict cumberbatch
2: well if i if i can i would definitely say that ricardo montalban played the character better because from what do we know of Khan as a character, the reason why there's this whole thing about in Wrath of Khan and spoiler alert, uh, (laughs) he doesn't make it. (laughs) Um, The reason why he is, he is so, he plays it so well is because this guy is blinded by rage, the need for, to avenge his, uh, his wife, Marla. and, um, who was the? She was like the anachronistic expert on the Enterprise in the episode Space Seed. So when they get uh, marooned on City Alpha Five, she goes with them, So they end up like there's a whole thing where they get married, they fall, you know, they love each other, and that little stuff. And something happens with City Alpha Six where it explodes, pushes City Alpha Five out of its orbit, and makes it practically uninhabitable. Um, and as a result, she's killed so of course he's had 15 wonderful years to build up this juicy revenge plot but at the same time he has had no opportunity to grow as a person because everything he knew from his time as one of the genetic supermen uh, back during the eugenics wars um <clears throat> that's all he's got so kirk is able to to utilize that against him he he utilizes his ego and also his inability to think in, in three dimensions, because on Earth, he didn't have to. You know, it was all it was all basically, you know, uh, little plastic men on two dimensional maps, so to speak. That's how it worked out. But in space, you know, there's a third dimension you got to think about. Um, and and he continued down that that tack. He played to it, to the characters. He played used the character's weakness as a strength. With with um, with Cumberbatch, um, they did. They they took a little bit of a different tack on it. So far, in as that, he was more concerned about the followers that were put into stasis with him and were shot out into space on the Botany Bay. Um, so he. So what they did is they leaned more towards him wanting to protect his family as opposed to him wanting revenge. Um, for anything else that happened
0: yeah and in that sense it it is maybe a little less personal in that sense at least as far as like between him and and kirk
2: you know like right so it it definitely it, it lessened the impact of the these two characters coming to loggerheads
0: yeah what what do you think will you have any thoughts on that
2: it's I a think con con
1: who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And I agree with him.
0: <laughs> no, I think um I, I think I lean towards towards your position as well, Lars. Like uh I think of, of the two, and obviously the the writing and the directing does you know play a, a part in that. Like you as an actor, you in the day you can do you, the best you can with what you've what you're given. Uh but if if the writing or the directing is lacking a bit then you know it's it's still going to fall a little bit shorter
3: um, well
2: you look at jj abrams was the director of um, of star trek in the darkness and jj abrams had has had already previously made it abundantly clear that he didn't he was cherry picking uh, what he wanted out of out of star trek um, fandom to make a movie out of and I'm not disparaging him as a as a director. I'm just saying he took the things out of Star Trek he wanted to cherry pick and use to entice a new audience. Um, so they basically threw everything from Star Trek II into a blender and then just pour <laughs> made a smoothie out of it. Um, and you know, to some people that tasted great, and other people was like, why did you put kale in this thing? You know, <laughs> like come on, guys. Um, like wh- who are you trying to who are you trying to fool? um but uh, you know now and, and i and i say this uh, with the absolute utmost respect uh nicholas Meyer um directed the two best um star trek original crew movies um that being wrath of khan and the undiscovered country um mm-hmm. and he knew he knew how to take what transpired in a 43 minute episode from the 1960s and bring it into the 1980s and really amp it up you know there was there was real personal investment for Khan. you know and and then into darkness there was i mean it was a personal element to it but it was so just like you have you have no investment You had no investment in any of these characters. Um, you barely had time to even digest and get any kind of attachment to the heroes of the movie.
0: Yeah. And they're, I mean, more fast paced, obviously more action oriented. And then you don't have the benefit of having had a series with the, the actors beforehand where you, you had time to build that up. And, um, so those those were some disadvantages, I guess, and, and again, not the actor's fault. I mean, you know, that's just the way it played out. Whereas with obviously with the original series, movies, and then the TNG movies, you had a you know a whole TV series coming before, so they didn't have to do as much to establish characters and character arcs and such. Although I do love the the character arcs in um, the original series films. Like honest, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I think in some way, particularly I guess some of Kirk's journeys, um you know, I think, and obviously you have the big three you have Kirk Spock McCoy, but um I think some of the things he he goes through like with the loss of Spock and then the loss of his son, and then obviously you know dealing more with the loss of his son in, in Star Trek six, which you mentioned, and uh I guess maybe we, since you mentioned that like, could segue into talking about that villain um have you have you seen it will have you seen star trek six the undiscovered country one? it's the one where uh, um <clears throat> let's see you have the Kitamura cores and then you have was it the the moon explodes yeah like so chronos praxis Kronos? which was the praxis. Uh, yeah praxis
2: praxis was the uh the, the moon of Kronos that exploded and basically was wiping out the uh, the atmosphere of Kronos, so the planet was going to become uninhabitable within the, first, the next 50 years. So Spock, uh, along with his father, reached out to the Klingon chancellor, who was Gorkon, um, to initiate uh, a peace talk, um, which, of course, the Klingons had to accept because basically it was either either side with these guys who could help heal our planet or we're just going to die out. Um, and then of course, during that, um, the whole thing that they, they explore that there are people who just could not wrap their heads around there being um, everlasting peace between the Klingons and the Federation. Um, and there's a whole, I mean, that's the primary plot of the movie is um, Kirk and McCoy um, having to um, survive being Convicted of of assassination and also surviving a, an escape attempt, it is it's probably one of the coolest whodunits in Star Trek.
0: Yeah, and I uh, and I love you know uh, at the end uh, obviously you find out I believe there's a General Chang who who masterminded it right and not, nec- He's, not necessarily he was he was uh, one
2: of the masterminds. I
0: don't know if you'd call it a, a coup d'état so much as like he like you said, he was in opposition to the peace accords and wanted to blow that up, I guess, in a sense, like was not in favor of, of, of that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's a, um, there was.
0: Hey nerds, Richard here asking you to consider supporting this podcast you go to our website anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd right there on the top of the page is a support button click on that and then you can select the level at which you would like to support us you can do 99 cents a month 4.99 a month or even 9.99 a month and as i've said before if you agree to do 9.99 a month will will come to your house and give you a hug and a kiss no no just kidding. <laughs> but you will definitely receive our gratitude. So take a minute today to go on there and let us know that you love us because you know we're desperate for that. So just let us know. <laughs> Thanks, Dirts. Now back to our regular schedule program. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. I wasn't watching the clock on our Zoom recording here. So, Lars, you okay. got cut off. I'm sorry. I believe we were talking about General Chang and Star Trek VI. Uh, so if right. you remember generally where you left off.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the conspirators, and again, spoiler alert, um, the conspirators were the Romulan uh, ambassador at um, Admiral Cartwright, um, Colonel West, uh, who... Uh, Who's actor Renee uh oh, played yeah. Odo, um, the Klingon ambassador, uh, as well as uh, Valeris, who was the uh, the Vulcan um, helm officer aboard Enterprise A, uh, played by Kim Cattrall. Um, little fun fact: that's that right, that that's character right. Uh, the the or the conspirator, the Federation conspirator. Was actually supposed to be Savick, um,
3: ah.
2: from but Robin Curtis, I, to my knowledge, and perhaps uh, perhaps I should uh, I should uh, hit her up on Facebook and uh, and ask her specifically. But I think the reason why she didn't do that is because she didn't feel that Savick would um, betray the Federation. Mm. So they invented another another Vulcan character, uh, Valeris, who ended up taking that role um so the I mean, thing is yeah i mean w- with um with star trek six um the the whole thing is that it's not just about uh you know who's the bad guy here um it's it was a, a very thick plot and again like i said before it's the greatest Who Done It in star trek um because when the first time you watched it you know i still remember seeing it in a the theater i want to say like 1991 mm-hmm. um, Sounds right. and it was yeah. and it was you're sitting there and you're like you know it was it was definitely one of those things where you're like you really had to um try to figure out who was doing this because there was no clear indicator i mean of course yes there was the the tension between um there was uh uh sorry um chancellor the chancellor and um his daughter as a uh, they had chang and of course uh his uh, chief of staff, who was whose name escapes me right now, I want to say, um, Brig- Brig- Brigadier Kailach, um was his chief of staff. In- they all knew these. I'm guys.
0: impressed you remembered all the names you already mentioned.
2: <laughs> it doesn't hurt that less than a week ago I watched this very. Good
0: oh week. yes, there you go, there you go, there you go. Then um, that does help.
2: But <laughs> it was it wasn't just like this, you know. Oh hey, you know you're a bad guy. I'm a good guy, and that's it it was you knew you knew kirk was flawed his his whole his whole feelings towards klingons were skewed he even says it and when he's talking with spock you know like spock says you know this is a, 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 a an unprecedented opportunity you know uh, and kirk's immediate response was don't believe them don't trust them he's jim they're dying let them die i mean no. right there you you I mean, it's like painting him as the villain in this entire story because he's out for vengeance for the death of David. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're thinking, okay, maybe he is. Like you, you're led to believe maybe he, there's something to this. But you're like, this is Kirk. He can't be. He can't be the bad guy. So somebody <laughs> else has to be up to this. And you've got the, the the bouncing back and forth between him, General Chang, uh, who for some reason um, is absolutely obsessed with uh quoting shakespeare <laughs> i think it's
0: i think it's because christopher Plummer was playing him and he's like he's uh, 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 if i had to guess he'd be like hey you know i'll do it if i can quote shakespeare
2: <laughs> hey the one of the coolest lines in the in the movie is
0: tach, ah,
2: tach, be. to be or not to be yeah oh um, yeah
0: right before he I, I, dies right
2: uh well he actually um says is it the it? first time when they're when they're having dinner
3: right um, right.
2: because they're all they're kind of they're kind of talking about the differences between how the federation sees rights you know and how the klingons see it and the thing is like you know uh Chekhov says this whole thing about where um he's like you know we believe that every planet has um uh you know inalienable human rights and as a bore it calls him right he calls his bs right there it's like if you could only hear yourself inalienable human rights the na- very name is racist, you know, and um, it's like immediately they're just like this, you mm-hmm. know, that they don't want they don't want to be doing this. But at the same time, you know that there's something deeper at play. The big thing for me, the big shock reveal was the fact that Valeris um, was a, a co-conspirator, you know, because the whole this whole thing where Spock, I mean, Spock is like she's um, she has hit was his a student, you know, mm-hmm. he was absolutely even says to her in his quarters i intend for you know this will be the last voyage um you know this was my last voyage aboard the starship um i intend for you to replace me and she says i can only you know i can only succeed you so he like he is like he is bought in he mm-hmm. believes her that like she is it. there's no way that she could ever do anything to harm the federation and yet she, she is the one will in the knife mm-hmm. uh, and that's and, and this is this is where you have good really good villain stories because because they're not villains because they're bad guys they're villains because they're doing what they think is right but we know it's really wrong
0: yeah we're at the very least it's, it's in opposition to our heroes you know what i mean like it's going against you know like yeah I, I like it when they have villains with more complex motives it's not it's not oh this person's just bad you know it's like it's like no he yeah. has very personal motive like like with Khan we talked about where you know it's the death of his wife and just his desire for revenge and yeah i think that always makes for more interesting writing more interesting villains and um
2: i don't know how you guys feel about it but i've always felt that um, Star Trek has done a phenomenal job of creating villains for their stories that aren't black and white. Um, you know, in in motion picture, V'ger wasn't wasn't trying to destroy humanity. It just wanted to find its creator. Yeah. Okay. Um, of course, Wrath of Khan. You could, I could be, I could, I could definitely buy into the fact that if, if I'd been stranded on some planet and they never came back to check on us, and everything goes to hell, and I lose the woman who I love, I could buy that krug you know you can um krug is is a you know he's a textbook bad guy he he is ambitious and he has bought into this whole klingon paranoia that the genesis project is not meant for the creation of life but it is created to wipe out the klingon culture they're convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the federation has a weapon that's going to destroy the klingon empire um in star trek 4 you know, most people are like, well, villain? What villain? Well, the villain in that movie is not the probe. It's man's hubris. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they they hunted this species to extinction to the point where they nearly destroyed the planet. Um, Star Trek V, you know, it's more metaphysical. You know, I mean, yes, technically Cybok was the bad guy. Um, but the real bad guy in this was the, was the alien on the planet um, that manipulated him. Um, which led him to do all these you know all these things like you know, which took t- took hostages, stole a starship. You know, tried to turn Kirk's uh, uh, crew against him, including his own half brother, which is Spock. Um, six, you know, again we just talked about it. Seven, um, the the villain ha- uh, was a man again, a man not doing something to hurt anybody else. He just wanted to get back where he where he felt like or he belonged. He felt he belonged back in the Nexus. He wanted to go there. He didn't care um, what he had to do and who he had to hurt to um, to uh, to get back there. He was singly focused. Eight, we had the Borg. You know, and of course the Borg have been the worst, or not, sorry, excuse me, not the worst, but the scariest bad guys in all of Star Trek. Um, nine, you have, pe- again, you have people not looking to destroy anybody for the sake of, ha ha ha, I'm a bad guy, but because they want, they just want a personal gain. It's all personal gain. And then well, I think 10, there, there was, was a
0: bit of with nine there was a bit of personal vengeance as well right because they had been exiled from the community i think had they not so there was there's was no had, like yes. that as well yeah yeah
2: really? so the uh so they had been uh yes they had been exiled from the baku um, and but again it was because of hubris you know mm-hmm. they felt that they shouldn't have um, laid off technology they felt they should have continued to embrace it and and then other guys were like, you know what? You saw what it did to our other planet, right? Um, let not do that. <laughs> and, and of course, Nemesis was um, was again very much a personal vendetta.
3: Hmm.
2: You know. Uh, also, side note was the uh, was the uh, was the movie that nearly killed Tom Hardy's film career.
0: Really? I oh yeah, he... yeah. He
2: was. He became an alcoholic and nearly and nearly quit acting because he got so much crap for playing Shinzon. Really?
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I thought he did a good job. Like personally, I, I like his turn as, as Shinzon. And I think I think the interplay between him and Picard, you know, I hear so many people rag on that movie, but it had a lot of elements that there, it was missing some things for sure. And I don't know that Stuart Baird was the best choice for a director, given his given what he had done before. But I liked the dynamic between Sinzon and Picard. I thought that was interesting, and
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Tom Hardy being an excellent actor as well, even though he was pretty young then. I think maybe twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, he was,
2: he was he was pretty um, pretty
1: young.
0: I thought he was a very commanding presence um, in that.
1: I didn't even know Tom Hardy was in a Star Trek. That's
0: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Trek but Nemesis. This now he does look quite a bit different with his head shaved and like. <laughs>
2: yeah well of course you know i mean he's uh he was much skinnier he's uh mm-hmm. and uh he was much younger um and of course they had him and all sorts of makeup and whatnot uh, to help him you know to to sell the the, the whole thing with him uh, needing an infusion from from picard that would stop his rad, rapid aging um but again you know um one thing i you know the, like know, we like i mean like i guys i could I could talk ad nauseum about Star Trek.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> and there are so many villains, you know, or characters that play the villain role uh, in in the various series and movies, but almost always they're not bad guys for the sake of being bad guys. Mm-hmm. They all have some personal motivation. Um, you know, uh, they played a lot of, you mentioned um, earlier in our pre-discussion about Bill Descartes. Um, mm-hmm. The Cardassians absolutely despised the Bajorans because they saw them as as second class citizens. You know, they got booted off of um, Bajor and off uh, um with you know they're like because they had basically this this massive pool of slave labor. Suddenly the, the Federation comes in and boots them. Well, you have these guys who were, um, you know, you had these 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 guys who who looked down their nose at, a, at an entire other race. And suddenly the Federation comes in and saves the day and liberates them. Um, so of course, think about it now. I mean, you think about what it would be like if, um, uh, like, you know, I guess I, I, an analogy I can use is like during world war two, when Nazi Germany, uh, invaded and occupied France, um, they had control of most of the country. Um, Yet you know the Allies come in and and they liberate this and suddenly the Nazis go scorched earth on France as they're being pushed out. Same thing, same same kind of concept. Um, they don't literally, they literally don't see these people as being being allowed to be free. Um, so it makes it easier to hate the guy, but at the same time, the Cardassians pro- pro- proved that during the you know even the in the waning days of the dominion war that even they had their limits you know mm-hmm. i mean uh yeah it's uh it's uh a yeah. good example another good example of a, of a of a bad guy being a bad guy for bad guy's sake and also there being a redemption arc for his people
0: yeah and like he even and maybe some of that is like you know, initially, like earlier on, maybe some reverse Stockholm syndrome in a sense, where I think, because I know, I know he was attracted to Kira, like he liked Kira. I think they play with that storyline. He definitely flirts with her a lot over the course of TS nine. But didn't he have a didn't he have a Bajoran lover prior to that? Like prior to them getting kicked off the planet? I was trying to remember. I
2: don't don't account. recall exactly, but I do remember um, him. Uh, he does actually go through and has uh cosmetic surgery to make him look like a Bajoran and he ends up uh, hooking up with um, Kai Wynn.
0: Oh yeah that's right that's right. yeah the wasn't that I think the very last episode or the last two episodes the finale <laughs> I
3: forgot yeah about where
2: that. where he basically gets owned by the paw race. Um, which were these you know these creatures, these celestial creatures on Bajor? and you know, um, he karma karma turns out to be a big you know what
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh. Yeah, and again, like there's so many examples of um of there being, you know, these characters who do bad things but not for bad reasons. Um, you know, uh, even like, look, one of the, one of the most defining villains I could think of during TNG was David Warner, um, playing the, um, the, the Cardassian commander who captures and tortures Picard,
3: Mm, mm -hmm. you
2: know, behold, there were four lights, you know, Mm. and, uh, he tortured him to the point where he could literally see more lights than there were.
3: Yeah, yeah those, and then of course you
2: got you, you, you have your fun episodes. yeah and you then but you also have your fun uh, villains. You have you know you have the uh, the Harry Muds and the mm-hmm. um you know I, I guess uh, for a, a lack of a better phrase, the original Klingons, you know. Um as <laughs> a, a, a song that I very much like refers to them as Puerto Ricans in Gold Lame. Um <laughs> and it's it's so funny uh, it's
0: it's funny you say that will actually as one of my christmas gifts got me a d space nine comic and uh nice in it there's like four or five uh different theories proposed about where the the ridges came from (laughs) and why cleons ended up with ridges
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and the um but i did i do like in um in enterprise season four how they they describe or explain how some klingons lost their ridges ah
0: um, so they went reverse on that and from at least from yeah comic. they did uh, i think this comic uh, was written before that so and it's not canon
2: yes yeah, yeah the, unfortunately the books and the comics even though they do have some pretty awesome storylines aren't considered canon mind you the thing is the series themselves do a really good job of contradicting the other ones anyway so it doesn't matter you can that's that's the beautiful thing about um, Star Trek is it can be whatever you want it to be, um, although let's not you know let's not not get into the um, you know the eye twitching of uh, uh, like how the the Kelvin timeline movies um, basically like I said before blended um, all of the original <laughs> material and and just you know poured it out and said here drink this, um, and I I know that the um, another topic is kind of we've grabbed the ship's wheel and just spun it um and we're kind of all over the show so to speak um about you know what it is to be a villain in this you know in this franchise but you go back i mean like go back all the way to like the very beginning i want to say it's like episode three maybe which was charlie x um you know charlie was this Creature, or sorry, so he was a human. He was a survivor on this planet. These aliens raised him, gave him these abilities, but never taught him taught him how to mature. They didn't help him mature into a functional adult. So basically, you had a uh, a toddler in an, an adult's body um, wiping people's faces off on the Enterprise. I mean, um, Charlie technically would be classed as a villain of the week, but you still can understand the humanity and what it could take for somebody to end up in this situation. And that's one of the great things that Gene did um, is when they, you know, they had these people writing these stories for the original series. um, They're like, Hey, I want to tell this. I want to say this. I want to show that, you know, and I don't want it to be just another monster of the week kind of show. So they, again, they, they played a lot on, uh, social commentary um, I mean there's an episode where um, Frank Gorshin plays an alien whose face is like on one side is white and the other side is black and he's chasing another alien whose face is white and black but in the opposite side and it's, it's a clear cut case of, of racism between the two of them just because one guy is reversed from the other mm. um, and yeah I mean there is no there is no formula uh, for for these villains. Um to be just the bad guy. They all come with some backstory that makes them relatable.
0: Yeah, I was even I was looking down through the um, another list here. This is from CBR.com. And uh one of the villains they mentioned that Nerdist did not was uh, lore from TNG, you know, data's brother lore. And w- with him, I mean, obviously, he's, he's a machine in a sense, but he but he has the emotions, and there is definitely an an element of like, wow, this this being does really seem to be evil on some level, but there's also a bit of jealousy, you know, of his brother, like he's jealous mm-hmm. of his brother, and that, you know, their father, so to speak, favored data that you know, he deactivated lore but did not do so with data so there's still a little bit of that the personal element of of jealousy there um but yeah he's he's definitely i mean again more complicated because he's an android but like sociopathic at least if not psychopathic oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah absolutely. it's like you know like just what he did to the the colony there the reason he got deactivated and just yeah
2: oh yeah i mean android with daddy issues um was <laughs> definitely a, a, an interesting story uh to explore because it also without doing so directly it um it helped define data as a sentient life form mm-hmm. and what and, and why his limitations were put into place
0: that's true yeah and like why he wasn't given emotions and what And and I guess later on, I mean, obviously they probably built on on that. I don't know if it was a long term plan, but like when he gets emotions and generations, that adds some some weight to it. You know, he's already gone through that with his brother, and you know, he has to even at the end there talk through it again with Jordy of like, you know, should you go through with this? You know, is it a good idea? You know.
2: uh, I think if, uh, if I were Data in generations and uh, when he puts the emotion chip in and he's kind of processing, you know, all the years of his life, I would have done, gone down to engineering where they, where they kept Laura's body and slam dunked his head into a basket. <laughs> you know, like, like, you realize what I had to go through because of you? See? huh? I mean, because... He had no way to control his emotions, you know. So I, to, I mean, just put it in perspective from from our uh, side of things. I would have totally just like I would have totally screwed with him.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. It is, um. Yeah. Instead of instead of just telling jokes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Or
0: know. or finally yeah. getting a joke that was told seven years ago. It's like.
2: Yes. I get the it. Clown can, <laughs> yeah, the clown can stay, with the Ferengi suit.
0: The, the, ring, the in the, the gorilla, gorilla suit, suit has to go.
2: Has to go. Like I just got it. <laughs> um, but again, you know, you, you guys, like I said, you make uh, you make good. Uh, and these you know, these lists that come out and they show the you know the breakdown of of what they consider what's considered a, a Star Trek villain. There's time. I mean, there's there's enough of them to go around that you can you can play it however you want, but ultimately. I think they do a phenomenal job of putting a human spin um, on each of these ones to make them completely relatable. Those are the best villains.
0: Yeah. And um kind of jumping. I was looking through the list here and um, CBR.com has Nero as, as number nine on their list. I think something that the film itself um you know the initial star trek film you know the one with the person the kelvin timeline i think nero could have been more relatable had they had more backstory but uh, i just picked up uh yesterday a copy of uh star trek countdown which is the basically the an official prequel to star trek and they they definitely flesh his, his character out more and his motivations more i was like that, oh, yeah. they, i'm sorry
1: is that idw publisher or
0: yeah yeah, yeah I, I believe it is. yeah idw mm-hmm. yeah and it makes it um yeah they even bring uh like picard and data and jordy get involved as well like in it's pretty cool yeah uh, but i
2: think jordy is actually the one who de- designs the what is the ship that's called referred to as the jellyfish
0: yeah yeah he's the one that's his his baby so to speak
2: yeah.
0: uh that that was a cool addition um yeah, honestly, I wish some of that had been in the actual film, but maybe. They I mind.
2: wish they had kept the uh, the deleted scenes from Star Trek two thousand nine uh, in the movie, because it it goes the whole thing. I mean, because you you wonder what happened between the time that the Kelvin rammed itself into the Narada and where he you know shows back up twenty five years later. Like, what happened to the guy? We know through the deleted scenes. That the majority of the Nerada's crew and the ship was captured by the Klingons, and they even allude to that. Um, you know, they're like, "Hey, you know, is this uh, you know is this is this possibly Klingon in origin?" They're like, "No, you're so far from the Klingon, because they were right there. You know, they were right on Klingon space, and they just do this whole thing where, in, in, through deleted scenes, they show that they were captured, they were taken to Rurapente, um, and they spend twenty five years basically plotting their escape." And that also mm. explains, if you look at Nero, if you look at Nero when he's 25 years later, the tip of one of his ears is, is missing and he's got bite marks in his head because they mm. actually show a scene where he, where he uh, actually fights with a creature that bites, bites into his head.
0: Oh yeah. That, that definitely should have, I'm going to have to go back and watch those now. Like those, those should have been, that would have been, that would have given more weight to, to his
2: character. Absolutely. Yeah. It would have made a lot more sense. It just, it makes a whole lot more sense
1: i always wondered what happened those 25 years
2: yeah uh i, I was I, i'll tell you what like when i was um uh, when when i was i was living in new Zealand when the, um that movie came out and my friends were all like oh this is gonna suck this is gonna suck and i'm like yeah it's gonna probably suck and, and then i started to get more excited i was like you know what maybe this isn't so bad and you saw like the trailers like with the whole thing with with kurt stealing the corvette and um playing beastie boys and oh yeah you're like ooh, this could be cool yeah. and and then you're like you're bopping along during the movie and then suddenly they just take you know i took a huge left turn and you're like well i'm done i'm out
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i and i don't know i don't know how much of it is directing and how much of it is they just miscast nero but yeah i, I tend to think they the casting may have had a little bit more to do with it i think they I should have cast someone different.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because most people, if you haven't, if you don't realize where Eric, where else you saw Eric Banner, he was Hulk, or yeah. he was Bruce. Sorry, it was Bruce Banner in the first Hulk movie, the, the bad, one. bad one. Yes, the one with Nick Nolte, and the one. Oh where, yeah, I uh, forgot he was in that. Every every time they shot Hulk, he got bigger. Dude dogs.
0: Yeah, the the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, I finally. Like yeah. I had been avoiding it for years, I finally watched it. I believe it was earlier this year. I was like, "Yeah, they were all right. This is very yes. bad." And <laughs> it felt it felt like uh, the director was was trying to imitate some of what Sam Raimi had done with with Spider Man and stuff, and it just it did not work.
2: <laughs> yeah, Ang Lee kind of missed the mark big time.
0: Yeah, she doesn't do that very often, but, it, but with that, he definitely did. Yeah, it's
1: completely off topic, but Hulk is. I don't know. Hulk solo films have not been great. <laughs>
2: oh no! I mean, the the Incredible Hulk was better than than Hulk. Yes, um, that's true. But I he mean, didn't really hit the character didn't really hit his stride until he appeared um, at you know being portrayed by Mark Ruffalo in the MCU.
0: Yeah, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, again we have base here, but that's okay. Mark Ruffalo, I think, uh, was in the running, I think, to play. In the incredible hulk and I, I forget why i may be wrong about that but uh, i forget why edward Norton. i don't,
2: I don't know if he was in the running but i do know that he got ended up getting the role for the mcu version of um of the of the incredible hulk, uh on recommendation from uh ed, edward norton
0: uh, okay so ed just didn't want to do it more than once and uh
2: i'm sure he probably they probably couldn't offer him enough money and also ed norton Um, (laughs) edward norton has a has a terrible reputation for um getting into things he doesn't belong into uh to the point where i i want to say that uh the movie he was in which was one of my favorites is american american history x Hmm. um he he messed with the editing so much that the director sued to get out of his contract uh, and in the end, uh, basically refused to acknowledge that he even directed the movie.
0: Mm, wow! Yeah, that's one I have not seen yet. Oh, let's see. Well, we got we got about nine minutes left here, so let's see. How should we wrap up here? I guess we talked real briefly about classes. Uh, we've talked a lot about specific villains, but like. I think you had mentioned, like, you know, like, the Borg, say, versus the Klingons, versus the Romulans, versus, you know, was it the Sulaban? Was that the ones from season three of Enterprise, where you have that whole arc with the Sulaban, like that? Yeah,
2: the Temporal Cold War. Yeah. I, I
0: can't
1: believe we haven't talked about Q, but
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, Q, definitely Q there as well. And um, this obviously some, some, others, some others from his race come
3: along yeah. the way
2: if Q was a D&D character, he'd be an arcane trickster. Um, <laughs> and because the thing is that, remember anybody who is familiar with the character Q and his, his whole storyline, including um, where he goes in season two of Picard, um, he is by far probably one of the least villainy characters uh, in the entire franchise, just uh, because um, everything he did, everything he did, was to push humanity to achieve it, um, to be the greatest they could. He loved humanity. He loved the card. And there's a wonderful, wonderful scene at the at the end of season two of the card, where apparently I don't know what was going on, but I think somebody was chopping a bunch of onions in my in my living room when I was watching it. But you know, <laughs> kind of got the vapors. Oh, wow. um, and it was uh, it was a very touching moment. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think there there are races in star Trek that are traditionally portrayed as, as the bad guys. Um, and started off with the Klingons, then it became the Romulans. Um, and then as you went along, um, you know, through TNG, the Romulans became, again, became the, the big bad guys. Um, and then you had the brain and then DS9, you had, um, you had the dominion who were the, really the bad guys. Um, you had then through Voyager, you had um, like uh, species eight four seven nine and the Kazon as well, mm-hmm. um, and then and of the Borg you go in, and the Borg, of course, mm-hmm. yep. um, and then you have uh, you know it went into Enterprise, and you, again you had like the Suliban, um, and then later on you had the Zindi, um, and yeah, I mean they all get portrayed as bad guys but they're not just black and white which is what makes them interesting well another fun fact uh the ferengi were intended to be the new bad guys for star trek <laughs> but they looked so silly in the last outpost <laughs> that they knew that there was no way that anybody would take them seriously as a villain. oh
0: and they they acted ridiculous too like just like when you <laughs>
2: Uh, I like the Fringy. <laughs> but,
0: but no, when you when you compare the Fringy from that episode to like say Quark on DS9, you know it's just so different. They're like animalistic and they're like growling and and stuff, and they got their whips and.
2: Yeah, that's right. The funny thing is, <laughs> is that one of those one of those in, in the Last Outpost was actually portrayed by Armin Shimmerman.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I guess that's that's probably how he got the role later uh, with DS9. He's, he he had some experience.
2: Yeah, he probably looked he looked good in the makeup.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man i bet he was glad to to put that on for the last time when he
2: wrapped for ds9 i'm sure
0: <laughs> oh man well i guess we should, should wrap up then uh lars thank you for for joining us and uh thank you for being flexible uh i know it's not the topic we had prepared for but um, oh no worries like we my, it's,
2: it's, it's my pleasure um sitting here talking to you guys i um um I could talk again, I could talk about Star Trek until I'm blue in the face. Um <laughs> and it's nice to have an open forum to be able to do so.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. And uh at some point, uh sci fi is a regular part of our our show here. So and and obviously I love Star Trek and um through this show, like through us doing the show together, I found out that we'll had watched star trek growing up yeah. i never knew that until this past year and you know we were doing this podcast together and he's like oh yeah i watched all those so uh, i was like a
1: refresher cool. wouldn't hurt <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> um
1: so hopefully we'll get to talk about the women of star trek sometime in the future
0: yeah yeah we'll we'll catch up with holodeck four and uh we'll figure out a recording time and, and get that one on the books um oh
2: yeah i'm looking forward to that and i'm telling you uh when i give you my top five women in star trek (laughs) number one is going to surprise the hell out of you
0: (laughs) yeah i was i was making a i was doing my working on my top five earlier like i put down i think 12 different candidates and i was trying to finalize it and uh yeah my my number one is probably not what a lot of people would expect either so yeah i'm Uh, looking uh, forward to that episode so uh, we'll have to figure that out
2: Well, thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's always fun to talk with uh, other fellow nerds, and uh, you know what better way to do it than talk to the two of the most irreverent ones. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, and uh, old oh, credits. And we get to talk to one of the one of the oldest ones now. <laughs> oh
3: man! Yeah, I, I, can't,
2: old I men can't gaming.
0: Um, yeah, I will say though, you know. Just just watch out, you know, since you're a redshirt geek, you know, just just watch out. And if, if, watch Kirk, if, if Kirk tries to send you on an away mission, say no. Uh, uh,
2: uh. Hard pass. <laughs> Hard pass. No, thanks, man. You go do it.
0: Well, yeah. Well, hey, nerds, uh, check out Trechnicity and uh, the redshirt geeks and old men gaming on Twitch, all that fun stuff. Like, check them out. Uh, I think, is YouTube the best place to go? Like, where where's the best place for them? Obviously, they can find you on Instagram as well, but like, is a, uh, a yeah, single, a single place they can go to like connect to all of it or?
2: um, Well, if you want to watch the Trechnicity podcast, you can either you know, do it directly through Spotify. Or you can go to anchor.fm slash Trechnicity. Um, you can go to, tre- uh, you can, sorry, you can go to redshirtgeeks.tv. Um, and of course, you can go to twitch.tv slash redshirtgeeks.
0: Well, there you go. Hey, Aaron, so, so check it out and go support another podcasters here. And uh, yeah, well, we'll see y'all next time or you'll see us next time. <laughs> live, long, live long and prosper. Can you do it, Will?
1: Live long and prosper. There we go. Oh, you did it. Look. Oh,
0: oh, two. look, even the little <laughs> man's getting in on it. There we go.
1: There we go. Oh, there, there goes oh, my back.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks a have you, good, you too. And good meeting you. Same here, Will. Uh- All right, Holodeck 4's top five Star Trek villains. Number one, I have Gold Ducat. Number two, Nero. Number three, Borg Queen. Number four, Kai Wen. And number five, Shenzhen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Irreverent Nerds podcast. And a special thank you to Lars DeSensa both for supporting the podcast as long as he has and for coming on once again to talk about Star Trek. Check out his work. You can find the Checknicity podcast on Spotify. Just look up Checknicity. You can also find it on YouTube. These are the video versions on YouTube. If you go to the Red Shirt Geeks YouTube channel, you will see it as a playlist right there on the front page. So check him out. He's at Fooktographer. Also, the podcast is at technicity, and I believe at Geeks on Instagram. So give him a follow there. And of course, follow us as well. <laughs> this is our podcast after all. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at irreverent underscore nerds. We are on Facebook, simply The Irreverent Nerds. That's our fan page there. And we are on YouTube as well. And we are publishing videos more often there now. In fact, we just released one today. It was a vidcast of last week's episode about that time I got reincarnated as a slime. The movie, Scarlet Bond, and our review of said film. So check that out on YouTube now. If you want to support us, we would really appreciate it. You can go to our anchor.fm profile. That's anchor.fm forward slash irreverent nerd. There's a button right there that says support. You can do it for as little as 99 cents a month. Uh, we would also appreciate it if you did $4.99 or even $9.99 a month. Will, of course, will come and give you a hug and a kiss if you do $9.99 a month. <laughs> I might even come too. You never know. Uh, no, just kidding. It it would only be Will. <laughs> we would greatly appreciate that though that would let us know that you value what we're producing each week and it would help us to cover some of the the costs minimal though they may be of producing this podcast so we would be very grateful for that until next week my nerds live long and prosper So I almost forgot to tell you what's coming next week. We are going to be sitting down for an interview with local artist Elijah Miller, who specializes in illustrations, takes commissions, and is working on his very own graphic novel. Check him out in the meantime on ElijahMillerArt.com or on Instagram at BeTheInfluence underscore BMSR. That's coming next week on the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. (laughs) mm <laughs>